Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. I define codependent thinking as chronically sourcing our sense of self-worth and our, our value as humans from other people, places, and things. U-turn friends! It's another week on the podcast, and I'm so excited to be doing another episode in the wellness category, but also really the mindset category in its own way. Um, And I wanted to bring Victoria onto the show. Victoria Albina is a functional medicine expert. She has so much to offer around breathwork. She's a certified facilitator, the host of Feminist Wellness. And, you know, so many high performers excel at burning the candle at both ends, but they don't know how to hit that off button. Um, to take care of themselves and stop harming their own physical health. So that's why I thought we could talk about, you know, some easy somatic practices that you can do to get more grounded. Um, What are some things that we're doing to stay stuck or to be in codependent thinking and so much more? So Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I, I, I want to start with the science of being stuck. And I'm curious, like, what inspired you to even study such a thing? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a nerd's nerd. <laughs> I've been in there. 
I've I've always had uh, a keen interest in science and psychology and the interplay of those two. Um, and yeah, I've I've built a career out of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, amazing. And um, I know that you know a lot of authors like me talk about the idea of being stuck, but we don't always break down the science of it. So. Can you explain what's going on on a neuro level when somebody says I'm stuck? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot going on and, and we can start by backing up to do, and I'll do a quick primer on polyvagal uh, theory. So the polyvagal theory comes from Stephen Porges PhD. And it's, if you want to read more about it, Deb Dana puts it into English that humans can understand, Porges is a bit dry. Um, And so this is the understanding that we have many branches of the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in the human body, and it innervates or gives nerve function to pretty much everything in us. It's a really vital key player in keeping us alive. And it impacts not only biological function, but our mood, our energy levels, and our response to the world around us. So one branch of the nervous system is sympathetic. Uh, and so that the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight, freak out, adrenaline, norepinephrine, ah, the lions are coming and they're gonna eat my head and eat the whole village and we are doomed. And it used to be way back in the day that that system would only get truly activated in case of marauders or actual lion attack. And now it gets activated if your boss texts you, if a date doesn't text you, <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of things um, in our daily lives that are competing for our attention and that have come to really feel like those pings of, of actual danger in our body that activate us into anxiety, into worry, into rumination, into panic. The other side of the autonomic nervous system is parasympathetic, which is then broken down into dorsal and ventral. So we'll start with ventral, which is the front body, and that's safe and social. That's how I feel right now, just talking with you and enjoying talking about things I enjoy talking about and having a nice connection. Um, I'm smiling in a sincere way, like my eyes are crinkling. I have those beautiful crow's feet that mean I'm sincerely connecting. Um, I'm here. I'm present. I'm in my body. My cognition is working optimally. And so is everything else in my body, my digestion, my thyroid reproductive function. And that's the part of uh, our nervous system where we're most aligned with ourselves. The other part is dorsal. And so dorsal is the nervous system state of last response. That's when, you know, let's say that um, there's a moment of stress or conflict or discord What we'll do first as humans is try to connect. Let's say you're getting mugged and you're like, cool, dude. Hey, you know what? Just take my wallet, take my phone. Like, I'm cool. Okay, we're cool, right? Safe and social, ventral, connect, connect, take the stuff, don't hurt me. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, we'll go to sympathetic. We'll either try to swing for them or if we're smart, we'll just try to run and book it out of there. If that doesn't work, we go into dorsal, into collapse, into a feigned death, which is like a possum playing possum or a deer in the headlights collapse. And so in that state, much like in sympathetic, our bodies, our minds, they don't really work well because they're not supposed to, because we're supposed to be singularly focused on either escaping or pretending to be dead so we can escape. In humans, this looks like depression. It looks like 
I just, I can't anymore. I'm just so tired. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so exhausted. My to-do list is so much. I, you know, I'm in this relationship and I love this person, but we fight all the time. And I just, I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What, what about like, um, rejection, like when people get rejection and you were talking about fight or flight, mm. Um, what can you kind of go back into what's going on there? Cause I know a lot of people, if they face rejection, they kind of like freeze and they want to run away or, um, hide, like what, what's going on when people are experiencing rejection or even failure? Yeah. So it could be what's called high activation freeze. So now we're, we're complicating the paradigm a little, which is great, but in high activation freeze, we do have access to that sympathetic, but, uh, at our core, we're shutting down. Right. So it's that body's like gasp of like, I got to get out of here, got to get out of here. But if not, I'm ready to dissociate. I'm ready to mentally and emotionally not be here so that this doesn't hurt so much. Okay. So this is what I must ask then. I know mm. you practices to get grounded, but yeah. for people who are going through that feeling, and I know a lot of people listening have felt that before where they're like, I'm dissociating. My mm-hmm. mouth is talking. I'm moving yeah. emotions. How is this automatically happening? And I like, I can't be normal, you know, you know, yep. like, like in the movies where people are like, act normal. And it's like, you can't. Right. Um, how do you recover from that moment where you're rejected and you want to run or you're dissociating? I think about this with romantic relationships specifically, mm-hmm. somebody gets hurt and mm-hmm. they act like they're fine, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they kind of start to sabotage their relationship because they can't recover. They don't know how to self-soothe. Um, what would be some feedback on a neurochemistry level? And I don't know if I'm, you know, even saying this correctly. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You're doing great. Um, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, this is definitely not my specialty, but love that it's yours. Thank you. Um, yeah, like what are some things we can do to be kind to our brains in mm. those associative moments to bring ourselves back into the conversation, into our hearts, out of the fight or flight of our nervous system? Yeah. Well, so there's the immediate things and then the longer term things. So immediately doing something to orient to your environment is where I would start. So often, you know, people will tell you to take a deep breath or connect inward. But if you're in a moment of stress, distress or trauma, or if whatever you're going through is kicking up some old stuff, that may not be the safest or best uh, place for you to go to like go inside uh, and ground through your body just because it can be disorienting or can sort of uh, maybe, I don't want to say worsen the experience, but make it uh, feel even bigger as you go into your body where there's all that anxious energy and that worried energy and that uh, frenetic energy. And so what we do is orient to the surroundings, meaning remind yourself as an animal, as a mammal, I am here. I am present in this moment, in this room. I am literally physically safe. There's no lion here. So what I like to do is to both orient while doing a somatic practice. It's a lot easier than it sounds. So you look around the room and you you just make decisions. I'm going to count blue things. One, two, three, four. I'm going to notice four textures, my sweater, my jeans, the table, the computer, four things. I'm going to see what I can smell, lavender. I can feel what the texture under my feet is. 
it's the hard floor, but with a thin carpet on it, right? So we're doing this process of on the mammal, animal level, like, baby, you're safe. Mm-hmm. You really don't need to go to there. I, I love and honor that you're going to there to protect me. And it's safe for you to be home right here. So we're anchoring ourselves in ourselves so we can bring us back into ventral vagal with ourselves, can start to regulate our nervous system. And then if it's safe, can co-regulate our nervous systems, which is when we invite someone else or a plant, mother nature, an animal um, to regulate with us to support us in that. You know, like when a toddler's freaking out and their parent gets down low and it's like, hi, I'm here, right? That's co-regulation. Mm. And it helps to calm everyone's nervous system. Mm. So doing an orienting exercise like that. And then what I love to do to bring the body in, it's so simple, is take your thumb and touch your index finger, forefinger, ring finger, pinky, pinky, ring finger, forefinger, pointer like and just slow and steady you know because what you're telling the brain is if you have the time and the energy to methodically in a pattern touch your fingers you're unlikely about to be mauled by a saber-toothed tiger Mm. I mean even if you're like physically safe and it's it's very real to say I'm not getting hit by or mauled by a saber-toothed tiger I feel like socially, especially, you know, kids in high school, for example, it's like that fear of humiliation or embarrassment is so real. It does feel like you're getting, and I was actually thinking about different trauma responses. Like, you know, how sometimes Mm. the body can have tingles in your hands or you can get really hot. Um, Mm -hmm. just, just curious, like, even though that's not happening, I know how real it is in people's social lives to feel that fear of humiliation. Um, what are some long-term things that people could do? Cause I know in the short term, it's really about coming to your senses was what I was hearing you recommend. Yeah. Great. Um, what are some long-term things people can do if they're in an environment, let's say they're in a workplace every single day where they live in the fear of humiliation and they don't want to be, you know, called out, um, over, you know, looked at too much and they're just, their brain is in this chronic state of, of panic. What would you recommend on an ongoing basis for them to do beyond coming to their senses, which is so good. That's where I would bring in the combination of thought work and somatic practices that I share with my clients, the basis of my practice. So the thought work that I teach is is based on CBT, cognitive behavioral theory. And it's about recognizing as a thought exercise that our thoughts create our feelings. So about 20% of our lived experience is top down, is cognition, brain to body. And so when we can tap into our habitual chronic, I call them the old cassette tapes in our brains that our monkey mind like wrote sometime, you know, 20 years ago and just keeps hitting repeat, repeat, repeat on that same old cassette tape. And so most of us are are wildly unaware of the thoughts that are perpetuating these cycles, right? So for example, if, you know, you're worried about someone calling you out at work, you may have the thought, if I do anything that's not perfect here, I'm going to get fired. And then your brain spirals out, right? You go right to that worst case scenario. I'm going to get fired and then I won't have any money and then I'll lose my apartment and then I will be living on the street and then I will die cold and alone on the mountaintop within about five minutes from right now, right? 
And so what we get to do is bring our awareness to those chronic thoughts that keep us stuck in those spirals and recognize the feelings they create, the actions we take when we're having those feelings, and then the results that we create in our very own lives from our own cognitions, from our own thought patterns. And from there, we can, well, we get to sit with it, which is the part nobody likes, mm-hmm. right? Right, everyone, you get it. Like American culture is so like jump to action. I, I always think of New Year's resolutions. It's like January 1st, I have not exercised in an entire pandemic, but as of this one day, <laughs> I will be an iron woman, right? right? But totally, right? So instead of doing that, We learn slowly, 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 but surely to sit with the discomfort of accepting our habitual thoughts as our habitual thoughts. Mm. And what people want to do, right, is push them away. I mean, I get that impulse. Do you? Yeah, totally. I mean, how can you not? Like, who wants something unpleasant? It's just not pleasant. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the Buddhists, they want to sit in it. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they want to, but they choose to. (laughs) My friend, are you ready to get your immune system back into gear? I'm sure after all the stress and fun of the holiday season, you know that your immune system's probably feeling a little bit worn down, especially if you're anything like me. In the thick of the winter and sick season, it's so important that you support your immune system so you're strong, you're healthy, and you can tackle all your 2022 goals. If you don't have that physical element of your being down, it's so hard to do so much more. And of course, one of the best ways, I don't know if you know, to boost your immunity is by supporting your gut health. It's true that 70% of your immune system is actually rooted in your gut. So that means if you eat the wrong things, your immune system is really going to suffer. But if you eat the right things, it's going to get stronger. And that's why it's not easy to eat all the right things all the time. So that's why I started to take Biome Breakthrough daily. Biome Breakthrough has powerful probiotics and prebiotics, as well as a one of a kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is a patented egg-based protein that enhances gut health reverses damage caused by antibiotics, which really damages your gut. And it even helps with threats to your immunity. So first thing in the morning, I mix my biome breakthrough with eight ounces of water. I drink it on an empty stomach to experience less sickness, fewer gut problems, and less bloating. So take a moment to power up your immunity today if you are inspired to step into the new year better than ever by trying Biome Breakthrough risk-free at biomebreakthrough.com slash U-turn. That's B-I-O-M-E breakthrough.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and use code U-turn at checkout to get 10% off your order. Now let's get back into this week's episode. So I want to also ask you, um, I know that there's, you know, all of this science to being stuck. You also have a lot to say around codependency, what it is, um, and how to build practices that get you out of that pattern. Can you define it for everyone listening and, um, share, you know, a, like, how can you start to notice if that's you and, and B, what are some things you can start doing right now for your healing? 
Yeah. So I define codependent thinking as chronically sourcing our sense of self-worth and our, our value as humans from other people, places, and things. So we're chronically looking outside of ourselves for someone else to say, you're pretty enough, you're smart enough, you're amazing enough, you're a good enough partner, parent, worker, whatever it is, instead of actually believing that in our spirit. And that's how we end up in enmeshed relationships, uh, really expecting our parent, our partners, well, you know, call it paging Dr. Freud that I just said our parents, but uh, <laughs> right. Um, our partners, our friends, our jobs, our everything, our social media to make us feel valid and valuable and worthy. And that's a lot of pressure to put on everything in our lives. And it leaves us really feeling stuck in, in not believing that we deserve good things. We deserve love and care and kindness. Mm, yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, I feel like codependency is so slippery and there's like a mm -hmm. whole narrative that can keep us in thinking that, you know, we're just thoughtful or we are just <laughs> helpful or right. flow in a situation when really we're contorting ourselves yes. and we're contorting our thinking and we're contorting our behavior to accommodate or spare someone Mm -hmm. um, from any discomfort versus right. standing your position, stating your position, standing where you are, giving yourself permission. Um, why do you think people fall into codependent thinking? Where does this begin? I think for so many of us, it begins in childhood. I think that many of us grow up in these codependent uh, systems where it's modeled for us. It's part of our blueprint. We, we see the people we love and the people we are often quite literally told we're supposed to be like or are like living their lives in this way, doing things for others to their own detriment. And I think that's the line for me, right? Because I love helping. I love being of service, but not at a cost to my mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Right? And there, there's that line, right? Yeah. So I think it often comes from our family of origin. I think in particular for humans socialized as women, we are often, we're taught this hook, line, and sinker, right? That to be a good girl, we're supposed to put everyone ahead of us. It's, it's what's expected of us. We're supposed to contort our bodies. We're supposed to be as small as possible. Um, we're supposed to really, yeah, just, just put everyone and everything ahead of what we truly want for ourselves love this. And um, let's say that somebody's listening and they're thinking to them. And I love the book Codependent No More by Melanie Beatty, which is just like a classic on this. But mm -hmm. um, what are some recommendations that you have if somebody's like, yeah, I'm constantly contorting myself to accommodate other people versus saying where I'm at or sharing what I want or what I need? Um, and yes, this comes from my upbringing, you know, like I think about my um, best friend, Nicole Nalpavar, who I talk about all the time. She's a psychologist and she's Persian. And she really has gone through a lot in being able to have a sense of self because she felt very much so like culturally, you were taught to focus on the collective, focus on everyone else and not you. And it's taken her so much work to have her own voice and her own position. Mm. Um, and so I understand that this can come from your origin. So I'm curious on your side, you know, what are some things somebody can do right now when they say, yeah, this was in my upbringing and yeah, I, I really struggle to 
be where I'm at with people versus saying what they want to hear. Yeah. Well, in keeping in mind that the, my goal in helping folks to overcome codependency is a move towards interdependence where we actually are thinking about the collective, but again, not, uh, to the point where we sacrifice ourselves, right. Or we give up what we want and need to keep other people happy. So I always start with the three A's awareness, acceptance, and action. So before we change the behavior, we need to really understand what we're thinking. And most of us don't really pause to get really, really real and see the actual thoughts that we are, we are running through our own heads. From there, we move into the body and find that awareness in the body. So when I have the thought, let's go with a people-pleasing example. Um, I'm dating a person and they want me to come over tonight, but I'm really tired and I really just want to take my bra off and get in my PJs. Amen. Right? Also, let's just never wear bras again. Yeah. So just like everything about you knows. is getting better. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. I mean, it's my favorite part of not leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's right? like, how, like I, I, my game I play is like how many outfits that like can function as pajamas and also social gear. Can I Ooh. find? Ooh, I love that. The no bra movement is definitely a vibe. And I'm, I love what you're sharing. I'm also curious, you know, yeah let's say somebody's like, all right, I'm going to give myself permission to share where I'm at and say, Hey, I'm actually going to stay back. I'm going to stay home. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, you know, is doing the best they can. And let's say that's going to create a shift in dynamics for somebody. If they decide to take on this way of life or way of thinking, it's going to be new for the people in their life. Um, what feedback do you have in accommodating that, because I get that they want to break free of codependency, but they also don't want to completely dismantle their relationships. And I'm guessing that if all their friends are used to them being like people pleaser, you know, Pandora or whatever her name is, right? Um, they're going to be off put. And I and I get the argument that like you know people who don't want you to be you aren't the right people for you in your life. But I also think that there's something to be said about flow and energy exchanges and expectations. And when you create a a change, that's really quick. um, You know, that can be really abrupt for someone. Sure. And so I think the answer there is you don't need to make it abrupt. Right. And I think when we're talking about these shifts in our neural grooves, the, the old ways we've been thinking for so long, they are rarely actually abrupt to put into, into action for most of us. I'm sure some people are like, Oh, people pleasing doesn't please me. I'll stop it immediately. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that's the people who um, maybe are looking for the kind of support we're offering. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to start small, right? We get to start um, both for our for ourselves, so we can practice it, and for the people we love. Like, all right, date. Like, I can, I'm choosing not to come over tonight, but how about a hike in the morning? Yeah. Right. So we can meet people versus, you know, just using an ax and throwing the whole relationship out the window. Yeah. Okay. And you know, what's another thing that this makes me think about in your work is you talk as a functional medicine expert, you you don't just talk about, um, you know, these habits and mindsets, but you also talk about like that very physical level of healing. And you talk about like overworking perfectionism and how those are codependent habits 
Can you explain how overworking and perfectionism is codependent and also how that impacts our physical health? Yeah, I definitely think about perfectionism and people pleasing as two of the biggest symptoms of codependent thought habits. So perfectionism may not come with codependent thinking, but in the folks I work with, um, particularly having worked for so long in functional gastroenterology, my focus was irritable bowel, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, and other sort of uh, ailments of the gut that go uh, undiagnosed and untreated often in the Western medical industry. Um, I saw a lot of overlap with that perfectionist drive, right? That chronic sympathetic activation that comes from those internal stories, those narratives. It has to be good. It has to be better. I have to get an A plus. I have to get a cold gold star. Like I have to keep working and working and working. And if people are coming over, the house has to be impeccable. Oh, and then I have to be impeccable. And, and that just chronic push away from self-acceptance into ever deeper self-judgment. And then the projection of that onto everyone we know and love and also don't really care about in a way that then creates resentment when the overdoing we've overdone in the name of pleasing someone else, usually or looking perfect to someone else goes unnoticed. Mm, okay. Right. So it's this chronic cycle of, I need you. It's again, it's, I need you to validate me, or I don't feel safe in my body. I don't feel safe in this space. If you're not telling me, oh my God, your house is amazing. This is so incredible. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I know that these things manifest very physically and there's a lot of, um, mm. Nerve, you know, your nervous system can completely get out of whack and even chronic gut issues. So can you mm -hmm. draw that link between um, codependency and, you know, overworking so that, you know, whatever your outcome is or perfectionism and how that is causing inflammation, gut issues, and even just nervous system regulation issues? Yeah, absolutely. So if we go on back to polyvagal theory and we understand the body works optimally in ventral vagal. When we're chill, when we're, when we're good, when we're with people or animals or plants or nature that we love and we feel at peace. Side note, this is part of why we watch the same shows over and over again, because we can co-regulate with the characters because we know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't freak our nervous system out. Isn't that so fascinating? Yeah. It's like scary movies where you're like watching the scary person go towards the other person that doesn't know. It's like, there's a comfort to knowing what's coming somewhere. Yeah, exactly. God, we're such fascinating animals. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine a squirrel's like, okay, wait, then I'm going to jump out behind him and throw an acorn. You ready? And then I'm going to do it again and again. <laughs> <laughs> right. So our, our, our bodies work optimally, our digestion, our thyroid, our adrenals, reproductive function, nerve function, cognition, mood, energy, like legit, the whole animal works best. It makes perfect sense when you're in that chill place. And when you're in chronic sympathetic or dorsal, nothing along the main line of your body from your brain down to the bottom of you nothing's going to work well. And so for example, um, you know, and, and I want to also just caveat before I, for example, 
this is part of the picture. It is not the whole of the picture. I don't want anyone walking away and being like, I have IBS just because I don't love myself. Like it's part of it maybe. But in my case, I had a parasite called Blastocystis hominis. It's a spirochete. It's a hot mess of a nightmare to murder. And that was, you know, part of what sparked my symptoms. What was it that you had one more time? It's such a jerk. Blastocystis hominis. Is that just sound evil? I mean, I don't know. I have Lyme. So I'm wondering, is that like another co-infection of Lyme or is that its own little planet? No, (laughs) Uh, it also is a spirochete. It's a, it's a bacterium that in, that uh, infects the gut lining. So it wreaks havoc on the gut microbiome. Um, yeah. And so, right. So, you know, you don't have Lyme because you don't love yourself. I didn't have IBS because I don't love myself. And our mental state does impact our immune system very, very directly. You know, I have a degree in epidemiology. The studies are, are, are quite significant showing immune, the, how much the immune system is impacted by stress, by our sense of self, by the stories we tell about ourselves. So to our digestion. So I'm going to go real nerd. You ready? Mm-hmm. The migrating motor complex in the small intestine is uh, like an energetic wave that moves food, you know, you to your food, hopefully, um, and it goes into your stomach and gets dumped in the small intestine and it moves out of there through this uh, electromagnetic pulse, this, this current. When you are chronically stressed, when you are in sympathetic, when you're anxious and you're all the perfectionism and all the people pleasing and all the codependency, when all of that is like a a weight on your shoulders constantly, the migrating motor complex doesn't go. Mm. And so your food just like sits in your gut kind of rotting. Sounds like a party in the gut. Party, bacteria party. It's super (laughs) gross. Yeah, like a little, like, remember the magic school bus? Like that was, I kind of feel like that was the magic school bus, like taking me straight into somebody's gut. Right. But then the school bus got like 14 flat tires and like could never move ever, ever again. So how do you start to heal that when you get extreme anxiety, your gut is off? Like what are some starters? Is it dietary? Like what are some of the things we could do? Yeah. You know, the, the dietary and nutrition part, I will, I will leave to, to someone else to talk to because what I'm super passionate about is, um, is the sense of self is learning to decode your thinking and, and to really get into deep contact with the sensations that you, the felt sensation, the felt experience of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and we can all do this, right? If you open, you know, any magazine and you look at a picture and you feel into your body. So if it's this big luscious green field, what happens in your body when you look at that? Mm-hmm. That's the felt sensation. Look at a picture of a kitten. What happens? right? And the more we can do this, the more we can get in touch with what external input and what internal input from my brain creates what felt sensation. We can sort of start to write a dictionary of ourselves, right? Like an encyclopedia, like, oh, I got that ping in my belly, which means I'm starting to get anxious. Let me orient to my surroundings, do the finger counting thing, um, connect in with my breath with a nice breath in and a long 
slow breath out because that's what calms us and puts us into parasympathetic. It's not the deep breath, it's the exhale. Um, but the more we are conscious and cognizant of and connected with our bodies, also the more at home we feel in ourselves because we become less of a mystery, right? Like I can only imagine with Lyme, your symptoms often feel like a mystery. Am yeah. I getting that right? Yeah. yeah, I don't have that many symptoms, thankfully, but I definitely mm. am surrounded by people who do. And it is, it's like a little mystery flavor and it's such a bummer right. and it's so hard to watch. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> well, so what have I not asked you about codependency, about your body's response or being stuck or your neurochemistry that you think would be really important before we close out this episode for people to know? Hmm, I think all the medicine talk has got me thinking about how all the pieces are so vital, right? Nutrition, supplements, exercise, sleep, and really, and, and at a great risk of sounding like a wild cheese ball, and I'm actually fine with that. I think the most important supplement is self-love. Mm. And I really mean it in a very earnest, earnest, earnest way. Like, not like the hashtag self-love or the hashtag self-care, but the self-love that comes from deeply knowing and accepting yourself. Like I'm really smart and have all of these degrees and do all of this smart stuff. And I walked into my own fridge this morning. Ashley, I just walked right into it. Like someone had moved it in the night. And that's just me. I'm a, I'm a fast human. I'm a, I'm a fast, small human. And I walk into things and I have two options in that moment to be like, Oh, Vic, come on. Or baby girl, you okay? What's going on that you moved so fast? You walked into a fridge. How about we like sit down right here on the floor and like, let's connect with the breath. Let's like put our feet on the ground. Let's put our butt on the ground. Let's connect. Mm. And it's really these 1000 moments a day where we can choose the kind and loving word for ourselves, or we can choose to continue to be our own enemy because that's what we thought survival was. Cause that's what was modeled for us. Cause that's what was done to us. That's what we learned at some point is that being that mean perfectionist is, is what's going to get us through. And it's, I just don't think you can heal hurt with more hurt. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I'm sure everybody wants to learn more from you. Where can they find you? Yeah. So my podcast is called Feminist Wellness. Uh, it's free every single Thursday. Please do check it out. It's a good time. Uh, and it's for humans of all genders. Uh, my Instagram is at Victoria Albina Wellness. I give good gram. And you can actually download uh, an orienting exercise, me walking you through that, as well as a body scan, an inner child meditation, all for free over at my website, victoriaalbina.com. Right up there at the top, you just put your name and email in and you'll get that whole suite sent right over to you. Thank you again for coming on. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here. I realize I've been doing this podcast for years and I almost never talk about my ghostwriting and publicity company called Cake Publishing. We have some of the best writers I know writing New York Times bestselling books, writing wording for people's websites, emails, 
and so much more, as well as publicists who are incredible at getting you on television, whether it's Good Morning America, Today's Show, or your local news, and we want to support you. We have been helping influencers, companies, and charities get their words and message out into the world, and we are so inspired by it. So if for some reason you're a business owner or you work with a company that needs a ghostwriter for any reason, a speechwriter, or a publicist to get you out there into the world, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Or you can shoot me an email at ashley at cakepublishing.com. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode.